Hello, my friend. I'm Nat Fox, and welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. In 2012, I took a risk, resigned from my job, which was very scary, and I asked myself, what would I do for free? What would I love to do even if I wasn't getting paid? My answer was traveling, writing, and encouraging people. Now, I had many moments of freaking out, of course, but this led me off the beaten path to become curious, to ask questions. I ended up becoming a travel writer, a tour guide to Alaska. I moved to Hong Kong, Boston, and New York twice, all without knowing a soul. I wrote a mentoring program, became a radio host. Each of these things have one thing in common. I took a massive risk. Now, I've had my share of challenges. I've faced a lot of pain, as we all have, and I'll share more of these stories as we go along. But I wanted to create this platform to gather together some of the biggest dreamers, the most amazing creative minds that I know. When we were little, we took risks, we dreamt big, and somewhere along the way, we kind of lost part of ourselves. And so I would love to encourage us all to bring that part of us back, to awaken that part of us. And so that's what this podcast is all about, to remind us who we truly are, how brave and uniquely special we are, and that we all have something beautiful to bring this world. So I'm on a mission to inspire 1 million people to take the risk they've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. I'm cheering you on and here's today's episode. My special guest today is Liz Dawes, CEO and mother of Connor, the namesake of Connor's Run and the Robert Connor Dawes Foundation, the annual run she started in honour of her late son, Connor. Passionate and athletic, Connor was diagnosed with anaplastic ependymoma in 2011 and despite surgery, loss of movement to his right side, impaired vision and chemotherapy, Connor never lost his positive spirit. And through his treatments, he never stopped smiling. He stayed positive, philosophical and true to himself. And over the last six years, Connor's run has evolved into the world's largest event for paediatric brain cancer with thousands of runners now participating in the annual event. Over 10,000 supporters so far and this year has been incredible with over 4,000 participants from all over the world making 2020 the biggest ever Connor's run ever, uh, raising $1.3 million and bringing their eight-year total to more than $5.7 million. So the amazing mum of Connor, Liz Dawes, welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, we met um, a couple of months ago and was so inspired by your story and your tenacity and your big vision considering, yeah, you've been through a lot. And so can you just start by telling us this run is, is world famous, but let tell us a little bit about Connor and what inspired this whole thing. Okay. Well, Connor was normal, and I say those in inverted commas, teenager, 17 mm-hmm. years old. We had moved from the U.S. first to New Zealand, uh, spent a couple of years in Wellington, and then we settled in Melbourne, in early 2000 and Connor started prep at Brighton Grammar that year and uh, we stayed you know we settled here we thought we might just be here for a few years but we loved Melbourne loved the school the community Connor has a brother Nick and a sister Hannah and they followed him along at Brighton Grammar and then Hannah at Burbank and we just loved our life here and it was great and Connor was uh, an involved very bright students loved rowing as well and in year 11 towards the end of year 11 um, and it had been an interesting year in that he was doing a three four legal studies class he had all these symptoms that we weren't really sure what meant they meant but we knew something wasn't quite right Mm. he had lost his his short-term memory which had always been rock solid had slipped his 
ability to hold his pen and write, which you need to do in BCE. Um, he was having a hard time with that. He was tired. Um, he didn't complain too much of headaches, but he had had those rowing. They were doing single spelling and it kept falling over. So all these sort of, now it all makes sense mm. um, that there was something neurological happening. Um, and then at the very end, you know, his vision became blurred. And we went back and forth to the GP a few times, but, you know, he didn't have a fever. They did a blood test that was normal. So it wasn't something that was easy to diagnose. But as time went on and his symptoms became worse, you know, one fateful day we said, this is it. We are going to get to the bottom of it. Mm. And his GP knew something wasn't right, sent him to an eye specialist where they detected something that looked pretty sinister and would sent us on a path to the uh, St. Vincent's in the city in Melbourne. And he was diagnosed with this large brain tumor, mm. which really absolutely turned our world upside down. And I mean, for a family to have that happen, you, 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 you hear about the stories, but you never think, obviously, you would have thought that would never happen to you. How did that affect your, you've got, you know, two, Nick and Hannah, your other children and your husband, how did that affect you all as a family? Well, I mean, now looking back, I sort of see, you know, we had our, our idealist time when we had no idea what was in our future and mm. that was great. And then we had this concentrated time of 16, 17 months from the time Connor was diagnosed, went through surgery, went through rehab. And, you know, a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot, but when people have a brain tumor, the majority of the time, the doctors will be able to get in. It'll be a benign growth, and they'll be able to take it out. There might be some deficits, but over time, the person sort of adapts, and or they aren't too severe. But in our son's case, losing all of his short-term memory, his right side movement, you know, he we had a lot of, of, of things that we were going to have to face if he had survived. But we were all ready for that. I, mm. I, it was interesting. I just thought, um, and I think maybe that's motherhood mm-hmm. or parenting that, you know, your child is your child. And, you know, you know, Connor was a gifted child. So we were always talking to the teachers about trying to extend him and keep him engaged. Well, now, you know, we were back at Brighton Grammar six months going, could he come and just sit in the class just to feel part of it? And, you know, we were dealing with a whole set of different issues. Um, but I, I think the fact that you want the best for your child wherever your child's at, whatever their needs are, was very, very true. And I, we just wanted Connor to survive. Mm. I didn't, you know, it made me sad that he wasn't going to have the life that he was, you know, we had hoped he was going to have pre-brain cancer. Um, but then, then so we went down the whole rehab and, and, and Connor or Nick and Hannah were great. We were all great. We just loved Connor. He loved us back. So it was, it was a very intense time. For our family, but I would look back on that as even though it was scary and hard and so worried, um, and it, there was great sadness about you know doors closing for him, etc. There was this very intense bonding mm. for all of us, yeah. you know, our immediate family, our extended family, our friends here in Melbourne, and that helped us then, and it is still it has still helped us that mm. we had all of us concentrated. Time of love and togetherness, uh, I, I know, is is what is helping us even today. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? How such, yeah, such a, a, an intense, painful time, especially in a family of grieving or, or a sickness, 
and you can you feel together because you're all you're all on the same page of processing this difficult time but it does you've got this balance of heartache but also just this amazing love and hope as well sort of all mixed in together yeah yeah oh and so after um connor passed away and so I, I can't even imagine what you were what you were going through because it had been such a build up and you were obviously caring for him full time and then he passed away and so how did this how did this uh, idea of this legacy for him how did that come about for you? Well, when he was unwell and we knew that he was going to have a different life, I said to him, maybe you and I can start a foundation together. It could be something we could do to raise awareness brain cancer, to live in a very different way, uh, this might be a way he and I could do something positive together. Right. And after he passed away, I and I, had, I knew there was going to be this big void when he was gone. And, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. Hannah was every day, you know, when we knew he was, it was terminal. And even palliative at the very end, Hannah would say, I'm okay because I don't think Connor's going to die today. Mm. And that's very much how we felt and lived. And then, you know, really that last week we sort of knew, okay, it's, yeah, everything is getting hard, even harder, eating, toileting, moving. Um, you know, it, we could see it was heading in one direction. Um, and I thought, what am I going to do on the other side of this? Mm. So for me, it, it gave me something to hold on to. And it also gave me a way to uh, keep Connor alive, yeah. not only inside of me, but with his, you know, brothers and brother and sister, my husband Scott, his friends. Um, you know, if we do something positive, and it's in his name, then we're creating a legacy, and we can keep celebrating all the wonderful things that he was, and hopefully do some good for others at the same time. So that really was something I was holding on to. And regarding Connor's run, in the September before he was diagnosed, he ran from our home in the Bayside suburbs to the boat sheds in the city. Connor hated running. <laughs> and that's the irony of having a, an event now with 5,000 people. <laughs> yes. um, he, you know, he would, he would find that most entertaining. But because of that, we don't keep times it's you know our tagline is more fun than run yes it's called connor's run but by all means get out and walk um and over the last eight years it's really developed into this wonderful very positive event and this year with covid um happening along with everything else we had to rethink reimagine what is what can connor's run be and we didn't want to not have it mm. and we just worked really hard to change the event we were even afraid we thought well we you know everyone can do it on that day in september um you know we were pretty sure even back in april and may that we weren't going to be able to mass congregate that was before we went into our stage two lockdown uh, but interestingly september was right in the middle of that stage two lockdown and our theme of your way any day in september and being able to do one thing or one thing every day. Connor had yoga as part of his therapy, and it was really a beautiful experience for him and also our family. And yoga therapist teacher was gorgeous. And once, as 
sort of near the end of his life, she led him through an affirmation and starting with, I will. And he looked at her and said, I will be awesome. Mm -hmm. When she said, you could finish that sentence any way you'd like, and we'll just sit and think about it. And so we love that story. And she told us that after he passed away. Mm. So with Ron, uh, I wanted somehow that to be part of the run because I just thought it was so great. So on people's participation bids, there's an I will with a blank, and people can fill that in. Well, this year, because we moved it all um, virtual online, uh, when people registered, they could bring their, they could commit to their I will when they were registering. And so that was, and again, no pressure. If you want to train for your first marathon, if you want to do your first 5K off the couch, if you just want to move or smile, you know, and I think this past September, we all needed something positive to focus on. And I feel that for those people that did engage, Connor's run was certainly that. Yeah. And that I think that's exactly what, what you've offered. And I think, isn't it funny this year how it's been such such a crazy year and it's been very difficult, of course, but there's been so many creative ways of thinking. And I love that Connor's run is always open to, it's almost like open to interpretation for the participant because they're deciding what they would like to do. And it's, it brings, that brings me back. I just thought about risk and risk, taking risks is, it's not one blanket way to do it. It's risk is different for everybody. And I mean, I would consider your journey your decision to, to start this such a risk and then but you would probably say well it's it would have, would have probably been more of a risk not to do it after he had passed away when I when I think about it I I'm always bold with enthusiasm what I'm lacking for in um well if I'm lacking in talent I make up for in determination yeah um and and enthusiasm but um you know for me it was a leap of faith, you know, standing on that high board of a diving board, looking down, going, do I really want to do this? Mm. And do I really want to jump into, you know, that water, as in the pediatric brain cancer water? Is this where I want to go? And probably like somebody standing on the top of a, you know, of a high dive, taking that first jump, it's like, don't think about it, just do it. Yeah. (laughs) And in some ways, I did. And then I think, in, in thinking back on it, we did evolve slowly, and I'm really glad. We didn't start with, you know, a huge high-powered board of people all with, you know, good intentions. Um, no, we started with my husband and I asking a few close friends that we thought, you know, one was a lawyer, you know, one was good at finance, one, you know, so we thought, all right, can they help us? Mm. Um we started with Connor's run very small. It has grown. And now after this year, we hope we've given it, you know, a new weight. And people in the beginning, you know, everybody volunteered. But I realized a few years in that you can only ask volunteers to do so much. And if we really, really want to change the odds for these kids, spending money on good people to help is a good investment. Yeah. And so I've, I've had, I've gone through all of that in terms of running an NFT and, and trying to keep costs down but doing right by the cause and right by donors' investment with us. Um, so I'd say the whole thing has been risky. And I would even say running NFTs, you know, it's what we have. We almost have to recreate it every year. Yes, Connor's Run has great momentum and people love it. And so that's wonderful. Um, and when we asked a survey at the end of the year, 
what are the, you know, will you do Connor's run in the future? 85, 90% say yes, enthusiastic, we'll do it again. Um, but you still have to do it all over again. It's not like you're making the same product, you know, and trying to find different places to sell it. Yeah. Um, you know, you've, you're pretty much starting over again with registration number one and, you know, going from there. So it's, I, I do keep thinking I am so passionate about it and I love it. I love the complexity. I love how different it is. I love different groups of people that we're dealing with. Um, and I'm glad. So, I mean, in that way, it has served me well. Mm. Yeah. And when you, when you follow that passion and your enthusiasm, yeah, your positivity and enthusiasm is, is contagious. And when you follow that, even when you don't know which way you're going and you sort of use that as a guiding light and you follow that. And like I always say, you know, it's just sort of this childlike excitement and I don't know what's going to look like on the other side, but I'm just going to follow this. And that's kind of your, the first step. And then other things open up and then like you've, you've asked questions and, and invited other people in and then their passion, your passion, you know, ignites in them. And so it sounds like it's been a really impacting journey for your family personally, and then just, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? The legacy that you're leaving, but just all the people that have collaborated with you. And yeah, has that been surprising, just the people that you've met along the way and have have been so passionate to be part of it with you? Well, there's been a few learning curves there as well. Yep. Um, one, one is the whole uh, world of advocating. And there's a lot of people advocating for whatever they care about in their special cause. But one thing I learned is that you can be, you can advocate in a space and it doesn't always have to mean money, mm. meaning um, now that we're involved in the industry, so we are involved, we have our charity, our foundation in the U.S. You can tell from my accent, we are <laughs> from America. And yeah. early on, we started it in the U.S. It's much smaller, but what it means is the, the amount, uh, the, the groups that we're investing with in the U.S., uh, the institutions and the universities and some of the organizations, uh, we can tie that back to what we're doing here in Australia. So it's, it's I feel it's helping us be more impactful. Um, so that's been really good. And another area that I wasn't, it's taken me a couple years for my heart to be ready and to actually understand that Somebody asked me a few years ago, well, who are your biggest stakeholders? I thought, oh, um, Connor's friends. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just, and then I thought, no, 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 that's not our, our biggest stakeholders. The people who care the most about whether we survive and thrive are other families like mm -hmm. us. You know, when Connor was diagnosed, I, we didn't, there, there wasn't a run we were doing that year for brain cancer. We did the Mother's Day run because we had done that every year. And that's something we came and did as a family was part of Connor's rehab. So now we have an event for not only our community and our corporate teams and sponsors and people who want to get behind helping us, but we also have the people who are being impacted. These families have either lost a young child or have a child going through the journey and they might not want to start their own foundation, but they're glad we're there mm -hmm. and they're happy to partner with us. And that has become to me, um, probably the, the biggest and most important part of how we're evolving is making sure those families know that they're 
part of our family, mm. and we're supporting them as best we can. And you said earlier the word hope. You know, if you're all together for a common cause, you don't feel alone, mm-hmm. and you also feel, okay, somebody's doing something which is giving me a little bit of hope in a disease that's really bad. Oh. Yeah, and obviously building the awareness as well in, in other people and allowing them to understand, you know, families face this kind of thing every day and the fact that you've got this thing, but it's it's for you, but it's for so many other families. And I wanted to ask you about the legacy families because that's such a beautiful way that you draw other people in and welcome them and, and that sort of creates this beautiful story of hope as well. So Connor, when he was part of his rehab, the two things he loved were his music therapist Mm. and his yoga. So when, after he passed away, uh, we had somebody who came into our house and Connor loved music of every description. Mm -hmm. And they wrote music together and sang music together. And it was just wonderful, gorgeous. Well, she has stayed with us. Her name is Sarah Punch and she's divine. So for the past seven years, she has been the manager of our music therapy program. And we now have a national referral program with the nine children's cancer centers around Australia. And any child that is diagnosed with a brain tumor that wants music therapy, we will provide 10 sessions in their home at no charge Mm. if we can find a music therapist to help them, which is sometimes a challenge, but we're trying to do better at that. So it's really giving that family an opportunity to have some of that positive joy that Connor had. Mm. And so from those relationships, that's how we've met several of these families. And a few years ago, I, I thought, well, let's sort of, you know, make it official, not in an official, official way. But so we have asked them, would you become a legacy ambassador for us? You know, we've got great ambassadors, Dave Hughes, Hamson Lewis, James Tompkins, the rower, um, Andy McGraw, footy player. We've got some just gorgeous ambassadors who do a lot of good for us. But I thought, well, these families are special. What can we call them? So I, you know, I thought of this phrase, legacy ambassador. And everyone is so touched and happy to be one. And it's nothing more official. You know, there's no requirements to become one mm. other than that, you know, you just want us to both ways that if, you know, we're supporting you yeah. and, um, you know, we'll get, get behind you. So you've got sort of that place to go. And then obviously they create these great Connors run teams and have other things that they've got going on. But um, yeah, that's been a really special part for us. Mm. Oh, I've got goosebumps when you shared that. That's beautiful. And it's the thing that you've all got in common is just the beauty of all of your stories. And you've, yeah, everyone's story is different, but you've all got that in common. And so when we're in community, that's when, yeah, we can face anything and we're stronger. And it's very, it's very inspiring. Oh, I love hearing about it. So obviously you've got every year you, you plan the run. And so what's, what are your dreams and what are your next sort of plans and hopes for the next stages. Oh, my goodness. We just met as a group this week and did our 2021 calendar. You know, we put out all the months and what's happening, and it's exciting and frightening <laughs> um, at the same time. We have a rowing event called Connor's Erg, Row Your Heart Out for Brain Cancer, and that's in February. That's our big event in the U.S., right. but we get schools involved here, so we've got that happening. 
the month of May is Brain Cancer Awareness Month. That's when we kick off Connor's Run registration. Um, but we've come up with this whole Go Gray in May campaign. And not not to let your hair go gray. That's what people love. To you can. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that, that's what people immediately go for. But we're, we're more of the gray of the gray matter. And it's celebrating your your mind. Again, Connor was quirky intellect. He, he didn't spell a word wrong. He loved, he had time memorized to 100 digits. He was a voracious reader. He loved riddles and challenges. So we've, over the years, have partnered with schools about getting schools to do clever things to be healthy with their minds, whether it's meditation or yoga. Um, we've got a great um, online trivia game called Bird Brain that Deloitte has helped build and Sharpie has helped sponsor, um, and that's throughout the month of May. So kind of May sort of kicks everything off for us. Mm-hmm. We've got some great partnerships with other companies and and then that sort of rolls into September, which is obviously um, that's Children's Cancer Awareness Month, that month of September. So we sort of anchor things between May and September. September yep. um, and we've got a lot going on, mm. which is all, all positive. And obviously, I'm sitting here in Melbourne, but we're, we're, we're helping every child in Australia. So, you know, for us, it's really getting our message out um, in a way that connects outside kind of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're starting to get legacy families in Sydney because we're helping them there in Perth, in Queensland. Um, so a lot of, you know, we're, a lot of what we talk about is marketing content across all the different uh, mediums that you can share your message, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, yeah. Instagram. It's mm-hmm. massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to do that in a way that is, you know, interesting for people, relevant, connects with people depending on what what form they're on. Um, So that's been a big part of what we're looking at as well. Well, it sounds really, it sounds exciting, Liz. And just hearing the stories, hearing the story of Connor and how his life is still impacting and inspiring people today and will for many, many years to come. Uh, I just know that he, I feel like I know him from when I spoke to you the other other time on the radio and... um, it's just such a pleasure to hear you talk about him and I'm sure, you know, you have your moments of, I can't imagine, you know, losing a child that's it's so intense but then it's these moments of joy as well mixed in there when you see so many other families that have faced the same thing and you can connect with them on that really special level and you're doing this great work. I have to say Christmas Christmas is hard. Yeah. Every birthdays are hard, these special times are hard. And people listening who've lost a loved one, you know, it's it's these times that, you know, that are of the greatest joy can also be of the greatest sadness. So, you know, we always have to have a plan, something to just sort of help get through because, yeah, even though it's been seven years, it's a hole that's never going to be filled. And I... I sort of knew that. I knew that. The day he died, the day after, I thought this feeling, this missing him, this loving him isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, oh, time heals all wounds. And, well, kind of. But you do need to manage it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it just goes away. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a, I like to, this whole grief thing, I think almost as a chronic illness. That mm-hmm. might sound funny, but 
No. It's, you know, people who suffer from certain things and they just know they need to do certain things to make their life easier. Grieving is, is similar. Yeah. And it's probably different. You know, a young child's probably different. You know, I've lost my parents and of course I, I absolutely love and miss them, but it is different with the child. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard someone say, I don't know who it was, um, that maybe it was you, <laughs> I don't know, well, grief, <clears throat> especially, you know, the loss of a child, you you walk around and, and you know, the life is, life happens and, you you know, you feel you can be inspired and, and have moments where you don't think about it all the time but then you put your hand in your pocket and there's like this sort of something in there that will never go away and that reminds you that it's always there with you um, and it's just we don't we talk about pain as something that we need to avoid at all costs in life and it's it's just this thing in society where we pain is bad and we just want to push it away and then if we're having any kind of pain it's it's not good and we just want to have joy and happiness all the time but as we i don't know i feel like the the narrative is changing a bit and especially i mean we've all faced grief and and pain in different ways but sharing in that i think is really powerful and being authentic which is very hard to be vulnerable but as we kind of open up and i thank you for your vulnerability to share because i know that it's gonna it, it helps it opens doors and it connects us pain does that and so there is beauty yeah. in it <laughs> in a weird way oh, well thank you thank you and and i think i think just if people see how much we're doing in all the events and and everything is super positive. That's something that from the beginning, I don't want to put up scary photos of kids that are super unwell. Mm. I mean, I know that that's the heartstrings and gets the clicks on social media, but a child's a lot more than the treatment that they're going through or the disease that is taking them. And, and I'm, I'm more interested, and again, like back to this Go Gray and May, getting kids to do something positive with their own brain while trying to raise awareness and money for us feels like a nice way to celebrate Connor Yeah. than, than staring at photos of him at the end where it was not great. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I am mindful that people see a lot of positivity and they might think that that, Oh, well they're fine because look at them and okay. Yes. Yes, we are fine. But like what you're saying is true that it, there, you know, this is how we are moving forward with something that was catastrophic. And mm -hmm. there's no other way to say that when you lose a small child. Everybody's journey will be different. I think that's something else, too, that I've learned. The way I grieve and I'm handling Connor's loss is different from his brother, his sister, my husband, his friends. We all love him, mm. but we all miss him differently, um, are handling this probably all a bit differently. So I think respect that is really and I, I try to be really mindful of that mm. that what I'm doing is for everybody um, and and that's okay too like you're saying it's you know whatever whatever we're all muddling through aren't yes, we so totally whatever works yeah. I said keep going yeah if it's working keep going and if it's not don't be too hard on yourself regroup keep going Oh, Liz, you are brave and remarkable and it's so wonderful to be chatting with you. I really appreciate your time and your honesty and vulnerability in sharing this whole amazing story that is your life and 
Connor's run is going to continue inspiring and encouraging so many. How, how can we, what's the best way for people to learn more about this and to get involved? Um, they can go to our website, which is Connor's initials, rcdfoundation.org. Great. Um, and then they can find out, yeah, all, all the stats actually from Connor's run this year are up there. And it's just even, yeah. it's, it's so inspiring just looking through all the different pages of the website and all the different investments and the charities and, and everything. So I, I recommend yeah, it. We've got and, and you can also go on connorsrun.com. Yeah. That's, so we've got both of those are up. They're both very active. You can follow us on social media. We're really active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, obviously, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter, and um, but we're quite active um, and, and really engaging. We just had a big Christmas market, which is probably more community-based than Bayside, but we had 700 people come through in one day. And, you know, gorgeous friends of our foundation make all these, you know, beautiful food, and we have it all branded for us every year. We have a different theme for Christmas. So we still have some items for sale if people are interested. Beautiful. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. It's been such a privilege chatting with you. I've really enjoyed it, Matt. Good luck with your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Risk Takers podcast. Please share this with as many people as you can. And if you loved it, please give us a five-star rating so more people can be encouraged. I would love to add you to our risk list. So let me know when you take your first step. Hashtag 1 million risks and send me an email via natbox.com.au so we can all cheer each other on. And whatever you're facing right now, just know that you're not alone. You're braver and more courageous than you think. I'll see you next time. Love you.